Hey, Michigan, let's talk golf. Here's Mike Sullivan, the most inconsistent golfer ever. In your life have you seen anything like that? And Kyle Bogey, wait, how can a guy with that name host a golf show? We'll never know. Better than most. It's the Metro Detroit Golfers Podcast. Powered by our presenting partner, Hall Financial. All right, welcome into another edition of the Metro Detroit Golfers Podcast, presented by our friends over at Hall Financial. And uh, actually have a lot to get to on next week's podcast. we got D. Hall himself uh, joining us for a special announcement from Hall Financial, uh, and it is related to uh, golf here in the state of Michigan. So uh, you don't want to miss that. That'll air. I believe we'll, we'll have that go live coming up on Monday as well. So be on the lookout for that, whether it's on the Hall Financial social channels uh, or the MDG social channels as well. And, of course, uh, always appreciate our partnership with Hall Financial. Hall Financial, the five-star mortgage company. Look, they want to hook you up with five-star treatment at Little Caesars Arena. Okay, one lucky winner will win two Pistons courtside seats at Little Caesars Arena, and a meet-and-greet with Cade Cunningham after the game. Cade's been just killing it recently uh, and is just a great ambassador uh, and partner of Hall Financial. Hall Financial will also be giving away other incredible prizes. Visit callhallfirst.com slash Cade and simply register today. You can hang out with the number one draft pick, Cade Cunningham, thanks to the number one client service mortgage company, Hall Financial. Register now at callhallfirst.com slash Cade today and uh of course appreciate our partnership with hall financial uh and certainly looking forward to the big announcement coming up uh next week on monday but uh plenty to get into this week um you know it's been a crazy uh, couple of weeks you know last week we talked about going to the migcsa spring conference and being able to present there from a you know mdg side of things to the make the turn marketing side of things uh and just a great group of people and we have uh zach nicoluga nicoludis joining us from the usga and uh had a chance to listen to his presentation and and discuss some of the things that the usga is developing and doing uh and just things that i think the average golfer might not be aware of but is certainly uh, intrigued by. So we cover a lot of different things. Zach is actually uh, one of the agronomists in the central region for the USGA um, and just has some incredible insight, whether it's stint meter, uh, whether it's uh, some new technology to measure the, the trueness and, and the speed of greens. He obviously travels the entire world visiting and consulting with courses of really all kinds. So um, some really interesting stuff. And of course, if I mean, if you're interested in, you know, getting into that side of golf or just getting a job in golf in general, uh, there's so many opportunities, whether it's on the the beverage side, uh, whether it's on the superintendent side, uh, golf pro side, assistant pro. I mean, there is just there's a ton out there uh, that you guys can start pursuing and start pursuing really at a younger age because there is a lot of room for growth. So very much looking forward to that conversation. Earlier this week, Mike and I had an opportunity to go down to Jacksonville uh, and go to an events literally on overlooking the 17th green at tpc sawgrass simply unreal um the entire property the brand new world golf hall of fame we were right there uh you know and tiger woods was obviously inducted earlier this week what a great speech he gave just so many cool experiences that we've been able to have and uh you know certainly don't take that for granted but i hope the weather holds up i I know they've been getting a lot of rain dumped on them and you know play was obviously halted 
uh, a few times already. Uh, we'll see, um, you know, if, if things will be severely interrupted or if they can actually continue to play golf if it's just kind of a light rain uh, and the, the thunderstorms kind of stay away. So obviously we'll see. I mean, what a great field, a great course. Uh, it's just in, in immaculate condition. And, uh, you know, you can tell the, how seriously these guys really do take it. Um, had a chance, obviously, to catch up with Brian Stewart, uh, Michigan native, of course. You know, him, uh, he, he's been a great supporter of MDG and, you know, a great partner and, and, and friend. Uh, and, of course, uh, we had a chance to talk to Ryan Brem while we were down there as well, uh, who, who cashed his ticket uh, into the Players' Championship by winning uh, at Puerto Rico last week and, of course, securing his tour card exemption for the next two years uh, and was able to get entry into the Players' Championship. So um, just some good Michigan flavor, of course. But, uh, you know, when you have all the top guys playing, it's, quote, unquote, the fifth major. I mean, it should be just an excellent weekend to watch golf. So very much looking forward to it. Of course, you know, betting, you always want to take a peek at, you know, who you think has a chance to win it. I think Justin Thomas has a great opportunity. I think he's playing some, some really good golf. Uh, love the fact that he and Grayson came to a, a, a in apparel partnership. I think it's just a perfect match. I, <laughs> I really do. Um, you know, so of course, DraftKings, Sportsbook is all over that. Uh, if you guys want to pull up the app and take a look at some of the odds, I love to throw you know some some money on the long odds and, and hope that guys just make a push. But uh, an event like this, Brooks Kepka, another guy you just simply can't count out. You know he takes these events more seriously. So uh, again, DraftKings Sportsbook will take great care of you. Uh, and of course, turn your love of blackjack, slots, and roulette into something even more special with DraftKings Casino. This week, new customers can get up to fifty dollars in free credits just for signing up, plus a deposit bonus up to two thousand. The best part? It's all right on your phone or desktop, so you can play from anywhere. DraftKings Casino has all the big-name casino games, plus exclusive offerings you can't find anywhere else. This includes an array of popular slot games, including Diamond Hearts, 88 Fortune, and Fire Buffalo. DraftKings, safe, secure, reliable. Deposit and withdraw with your cash whenever you're ready. Download the DraftKings Casino app now. Simply use promo code MDG to get up to $50 in free credits plus a deposit bonus up to $2,000. That's promo code MDG only at DraftKings Casino. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services Gambling Disorder Helpline at 800-270-7117. 21 or older, Michigan only. Restrictions applies. Deposit and bonus amounts requires 15 times playthrough at various contribution rates. See DraftKings.com casino for details. And, of course, appreciate our partnership with DraftKings Casino, DraftKings Sportsbook. Um, they've just been uh, a tremendous partner as well. But without further ado, want to just jump right in here. Uh, a really detailed interview. Um, you know, we cover just a variety of topics and a lot of things that I think, again, you know, golfers that might not know will find uh, very, very interesting. It's Zach Nicolutis, uh, one of the agronomists in the central region for the USGA. Fascinating conversation. Appreciate him joining us here on the Metro Detroit Golfers Podcast, presented by our friends at Hall Financial. Zach, if, if you don't mind, I want to start with what you do on a daily basis. And, you know, obviously you, you work with and for the USGA. Uh, you're in the central region. You're an agronomist. What does that mean, I guess, to you? And, and what is your day-to-day uh, looking like in, in that role? Yeah, day-to-day uh, kind of changes depending on the time of year. Obviously, this time of year with um, with working with a lot of golf courses in the Midwest and upper Midwest in Canada, not not a whole lot going on from a 
from a turf perspective, other than, you know, kind of talking about winter injury, winter kill and stuff like that. So, you know, during the kind of the off season, a lot of focus on generating content for our green section record, presenting at conferences like the MIGCSA uh, conference we we both presented at up at, at Boyne Mountain. Um, so my territories, Ohio, Indiana, Kentucky, Chicago, Wisconsin, Minnesota, and central Canada and Ontario. So there's always plenty of, you know, whether it's a local conference or, you know, presentations at the GCSA conference and trade show. So a lot of kind of just education outreach. And then once we kind of start getting in the spring here, uh, the primary focus is our course consulting services. So that's, we um, basically work with courses to, you know, troubleshoot any issues uh, from an agronomic standpoint. I mean, that may be, you know, anything from aeration programs, plant protectants, project planning, you know, kind of the foundation of our course consulting services has been our half day and full day visit model. But, you know, with, with all the construction that's been going on at golf courses recently, we've been, you know, the, there's, we can customize or put customized packages together where we're supporting an entire project from, you know, start to finish. So that may be a, you know, kind of a three-year project or two-year project, whatever it may be, and just offering support as far as establishing expectations, you know, golf courses that are going through construction, that's like going through major surgery. I mean, you don't, you don't get out of the hospital after major surgery and run a marathon. So there's a lot of, you know, anticipation as a golf course goes through any type of project like that. And, the expectations are everything's going to be perfect, but in reality, that's, that's not what it's going to be. These are generational type investments and you're making an investment for the next, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 years. And so that, that first, those first couple years after construction, that's a maturation period and, it, you know, expectations have to be tempered. And then in addition to that, during the golf season, um, our, our, the entire green section, all the agronomists, we support, or we work in support with, uh, uh, all the USGA championships. So, you know, the opens all of our amateur championships. So we have, we are assigned to different championships, uh, every year. I'm fortunate to work the U S senior open every year. And then usually, and then have one, possibly a third, but usually it's two championships every year. And we're doing visits in the lead up as well as spending an advance week in the championship week there. So when we're on site for a championship, um, that's a lot of collecting firmness data, green speed data, working with championship director and the uh, course superintendent and their team to kind of, you know, how the golf course is set up and playing, you know, green speeds, you know, ma measuring bounce back speeds to see how much speed we're losing during the day, stuff like that. So get, uh, get to see a little bit, a little bit of everything. Uh, it's pretty awesome. I mean, to kind of have, you know, be essentially at almost at a different golf course every day or, you know, the opportunity to visit several golf courses every week, you know, get to work with, you know, courses that are in the top 100 to courses that, you know, may that have a minimal budget, but still, you know, get to see a lot of, um, a lot of creative ideas that come out there with how, you know, golf courses can be maintained. So it's pretty exciting stuff. That's one of the more interesting things, you know, you look at whether it's, uh, you know, top 100 public course, whether it's, uh, you know, top 100 private course, whether it's your local municipal that, you know, you want to just walk and play nine holes, whatever it might be. Um, it's good, I think, for the average golfer to have an understanding of expectations when you go into places yeah. like that. I mean, there are just resources that some clubs are going to have, you know, like earlier this week, I was at the Players Championship at, at TPC Sawgrass. 
there are resources that are pretty much endless at a place like that. So your expectation should match, you know, what you're seeing there versus sometimes there just aren't resources like that at some of the lower tier courses or lower tier clubs out there. Oh yeah. I mean, when you talk about championship golf or televised golf or professional golf or, you know, when we're watching professional golfers, I mean, the amount of planning, I mean, planning that goes into, you know, championships, I mean, it's years of planning and to, you know, get a golf course to peak at that time, you know, for that championship. And then in addition, I mean, when you're talking, you know, you know, PGA tour stops or, you know, at like a U.S. open, or, I mean, there's potentially, you know, anywhere from 50 to 150 volunteers to, you know, prepare that golf course every morning. And then, you know, you look at, you know, at a, at a course, you know, just, you know, daily fee course, they, they may have eight employees and some of them may not even be working 40 hours a week. So it's just like, there's, it, it's great to watch. Te- it's, I mean, I, I love watching televised golf. It's awesome. You know, but in, in reality, from a, from the daily golf standpoint, yeah. What, what we see on TV, that's a, there, like you said, I mean, there's very, there are so many times there's, you know, endless resources available and to get that golf course primed for that, for that week. And then, you know, from a day-to-day management standpoint, a lot of that's, those are just the unrealistic, unrealistic expectations. Or at the same time, I mean, you talk about the potential impact on pace of play, if we were maintained, you know, if golf courses were maintained at that level, especially with green speeds and stuff like that. So. One thing that uh, struck me when we had a chance to connect at, uh, up at Boyne Mountain with the MIGCSA. Um, can, can you dispel a rumor that Augusta gets sprayed green or, or courses get sprayed green? What is that process? Is it just – it's simply overseeding, I believe, if I remember correctly, that's what you said? Oh, yeah. I mean, for – I mean, of course, down in the south. I mean, they're going to be – they're, they're overseeded. So yeah. they have – I mean, a lot of what – you know, depending on the time of year um, – you know, when we were watching the masters, you know, during the, tradi- you know, during the traditional time frame, um, that what we're looking at is you know, it, what you, the grass you're seeing is ryegrass. I mean, they have a Bermuda grass base there, but yeah, it's overseed. And that's, that's common for, uh, I mean, a lot of golf course, you know, golf courses with, um, with warm season grasses because they go dormant. Um, there is re- there is, you know, you know, USGA funded research, you know, to look at, you know, especially, you know, the, uh, when you look at zoysia grasses and potentially retain, you know, color retention, um, you know, to, you know, to potentially save resources in for some golf courses, if they didn't have to overseed, that's a significant savings in seed costs, water to maintain, water to maintain that ryegrass and stuff like that. Now, some courses, it's just, you know, overseeding maybe, you know, what they stick with because that's, that's what they want. But, um, you know, given the, given the challenges that every golf course is, you know, every golf course is experiencing from, you know, whether it's labor or just cost of commodities, anything like that, 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 but that has been a driving force. Now the, you know, the re, you know, the research is being done, especially to identify, uh, you know, warm season grasses that may retain their color, you know, with color or retain their color longer. So there wouldn't be a need to, especially with zoysia grass, because it can produce an exceptional playing surface. Um, throughout the uh throughout the winter when it's dormant it's just you know you have it's it's going to have that off some of the older varieties of zoysia are going to have that are going to go brown they're going to turn brown now even with um you know you look at some areas um you know where with newer varieties uh that have gone to a newer variety of root bermuda grass in order to uh realize the savings they've actually gone to painting um 
painting fairways and uh, painting, you know, painting greens. And it's, um, it's, it's pretty, you, you, it's pretty good what they're able to achieve from an aesthetic standpoint. So that's a, that's something that is being done out there as well. But yeah, when, uh, when we watch, when we watch the masters, that's, that's overseeded there. Next level. Yeah. They just have <laughs> the ability to do that. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're, they're that golf course. I mean, obviously it's, <laughs> there's a, they're, that, that golf course is exceptional. So. No, no doubt. I, I find it uh, fascinating to, you know, and you mentioned this before, there could be 150 volunteers at a PGA tour event at a major, you know, whatever it may be just to maintain the course. I mean, even at the players championship this week, you saw, you know, superintendents out there, you know, get, squeegeeing the fairways and, you know, trying to get all that, all that rainwater, uh, you know, out of the fairways to make the course playable. I, I've always been fascinated by that because it seems like there isn't a rivalry with when it comes to agronomists and superintendents. Like, you know, you could have one club and there could be another club that's maybe 10, 15 miles away and you do like competitive events against each other with the members and it can get, you know, sometimes a little bit tense and, you know, your club wants to win and blah, blah, blah. On your guys' side, there really doesn't seem to be that. Like, if somebody's having an issue, it almost seems one superintendent could call up another superintendent or could call you or, or somebody who they have a relationship with and go, having this weird issue, you know, would you mind getting eyeballs on this or just, you know, see if there's a suggestion? Is that, I guess, where is that born from and just always wanting to support each other, even if you are in close proximity? Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I would say, by and large, I mean, it is, it's, it, it's always impressive, I would say, you know, so many superintendents, like, if you, all it takes is a phone call. And if they don't, if, if he or she doesn't have the, the piece of equipment, or the product you need, or the help, they'll call some, they'll call their, they'll call their friend, or they'll call this friend, or they'll call yeah. this sales rep, or they'll reach out to us. It, it truly is a unique industry in that, I mean, everybody I, I, you know, it, it, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, wants to help out, everybody wants to see anybody else succeed. I mean, it's, 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 it's truly unique that like, um, there's always that willingness to pitch in, whether it's, you know, Hey, I can't, you've got an event going on. I'll send, I'll send my assistant over. I'll send my mechanic over or, you know, what, or we, you know, we can, you know, and it's some, I mean, a lot of it's not at the local level too. I mean, there are guys taking flights, you know, across, you know, across the country to volunteer at, at a championship. To, or, to, to your point. Uh, so you, I don't mean to cut you off, but to your point, uh, one of the, I don't know if he was the head superintendent or one of them um, for Oakland Hills um, is down. He's, he's rolling the 17th green at TPC this week, yeah. ran into him. I, it's just like, yeah, it's amazing. Not surprising, not surprising <laughs> at all. And it's, it's pretty cool. Like a lot of times you'll walk in and, um, volunteers will bring a flag from whatever golf course and they'll have them hanging up in the, in the maintenance facility. So you kind of see where everybody's from, but yeah, it's, I mean, it, it's always willing to, you know, offer a lending hand, you know, it, and, you know, a lot of times it may be, you know, the bit, you know, it's a, if there's, if there's one club in town that kind of, you know, obviously has a, quite a few resources that superintendent is often very, you know, you call, you call, like I said, you call he or she up and say, Hey, I'm not a wedding agent. Do you, can I, can I grab some? I couldn't get any from, from the sales rep. Yeah. Come over, pick up a, pick up a case. I, I, you know, and then just re, you know, you know, send it back over or send it back, send a case over when you get it. I mean, it's, it's really cool how willing everybody is to help out, whether it's, you know, assistance, you know, there are, you know, 
groups of superintendents will get together and do, you know, mock interviews for assistant superintendents to get them prepared for, uh, you know, job, you know, superintendent interviews, stuff like that. I mean, it's like, it's, there's so much behind the scenes that goes on that we could probably talk about that for an hour, but (laughs) it's pretty, it's pretty cool. It's, it's, it's awesome to witness because it it never really, it's, it's, it's something different every year that you see with people helping each other out. Yeah, I, w- I want to get to, um, you know, kind of how you got involved in this um, in-, in your journey. We'll do that in just a sec. I do want to at least touch on a couple of other things just overall as far as, you know, mm-hmm. how, how you guys go about, um, you know, doing the stint meter um, on greens. And, you know, I know yep. there's some new technology that you presented uh, to us, actually, that you guys are working on right now. If you could, yep. t- I guess, A, you know, certainly how do you go about that? And, and I guess what would you say? is the average and highest stint meter reading that, you know, you would see out there and then B, what is the technology that, that you guys are developing? Yeah. So when you're, when you're checking, you know, ball roll distance or putting green speed, you know, you want to find a flat, relatively straight roll, you know, that's, you want the ball to roll as, you know, straight and be as flat. You want it to be as even as possible in both directions. So what you're doing is you're rolling three ball, three golf balls in one direction taking the average of those, rolling them back in the other direction, taking the average distance of those. And then it's that, that's what it, so that's where that number is generated from. Uh, so, I mean, the thing, when it comes to green speed, ball roll distance, however we want to refer to it, it is so much as site specific because just because one golf course is maintained at, you know, X speed doesn't mean that's the speed that should be maintained at a golf course. And that's where it gets to be, it can be a little dicey because with the expectations, it's like, it's like, it's like driving on a flat road through the desert or driving through switchbacks in the mountain and the mountains, you can go 120 in the desert on a flat road. It's a different driving experience when you're driving through the mountains on switchback. Same thing with, same thing with, um, putting greens. If a golf course has relatively flat putting greens with not a ton of contouring, that speed could be maintained higher. And it's still, you know, that, you know, that would be what's right for that particular golf course. Now you go to, you know, let's say a golf course that Seth Rayner designed, you know, a lot of undulations, you know, you've got, you know, you, the, you know, you've got the, you know, the Redan, you know, with the, with the slope on a green like that, or, we're even getting into, you know, some of Don, you know, some of the looking at the contouring on Donald Ross greens. Well, it's just like, now that's just a different, that's a completely different animal with putting green speed there. So you may, and then to take it a step further, as you increase putting green speed on golf courses with a fair amount of contouring or severe contouring, then you start to limit hole location selection. So now you just kind of start to create uh, maybe a, a, more benign golf experience. Oh, every hole location is in the middle of the green or something like that. Or, or you can even run into where, you know, if you have golfers, if it's like a private facility or golfers that play the same facility quite often, it's like, well, I played here last Thursday and that whole location was in the same spot. It's like, well, our expert, you know, we are limited on that green. We actually only, you know, you look at, when you start looking at like slope data on, you know, if the, if we have the slope data for a putting green and, you know, you start to get, you know, north of 3% slope on the green, then that's pretty dicey for a whole location, especially as you get fast. So from that standpoint, that, I mean, it's so that's, I would say that's one thing. If, if, if golfers, anyone listening to this podcast, they can take one thing away from it. It's, you know, 
green speed does not translate from one, from one golf course to the other. It is, you know, every, every golf course needs to be able to determine, Hey, what is reasonable for us? Cause even like that, going back to the whole location, you know, limiting whole locations that impacts traffic on a green. And now you have traffic more concentrated in areas and over the course of a season, that can result in turf decline and turf health issues. So there's, there's a whole snowball effect that, you know, uh, here when it, when it comes to the whole putting green speed talk or discussion, in addition to what has to be done to produce faster putting green speeds and maintain them. So that's a, I mean, that, that's kind of a, I know rambling a little bit there on that. No, it's fine. Um, I just find with, it fascinating. Uh, like you, you'll get people, you know, average golfers locally, you know, oh yeah, our greens were running at 14, you know, 15 today. You'll have guys, I mean, they'll, they'll mention on the broadcast, you know, when you're watching the tour and they'll, oh yeah, 13, 13 and a half, they're rolling at right now, but talk to the players and maybe the players don't know, but they should, they're playing on them all, you know, all of the world. The players will say, yeah, maybe an 11, 12 max, you know, that's about it. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, we, we kind of, as we approach for a championship, you know, we're, we, the, our championship directors will kind of have a putting green speed in mind. And it depends on the championship and the players that we're, we're setting that the golf course is being set up for. But I mean, that's, that's where, you know, it's, it's fine. It, 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 looking at the putting green speed, there's, there's two things. One, what are we starting at and what are we ending the day at? Because you putting green speed yeah. slows down throughout the day and let, you know, um, so obviously you want to see less of a drop in the putting green speed. Cause that just means cons- more consistent conditions. And from a day-to-day management standpoint, that's important because whether it's competition, go- you know, you know, golfers are recording their, you know, I mean, it, competing for something or if it's just day-to-day golf, I mean, it's about yeah. consistency. The golfers that played in the morning get the same golf experience that the golfers in the afternoon received as well. So I think that's, you know, that there, there's a lot on that end of things that where we're trying to figure, you know, that's where from agronomic programming, what's done from mowing, rolling, surface management type practices like that to plant growth regulators, you know, we're trying to let the you know, we're trying to control the growth of the grass just enough so it recovers from everything from traffic and everything that's done to it, but we don't want it growing too much because then that impacts putting green speed, especially later in the day and putting green performance. So, um, to go to get back to your 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 question uh, yeah. about or your comment about what we have kind of in the in the pipeline, yeah, it's a it's a really cool tool that it's been a concept since I joined the staff. I, I believe in 2016, we were, we were talking about it. So it's more or less a, a smart golf ball. It's called the GS3. Um, so it's not something you would hit with a club or even a putter. <laughs> yeah. that, that would not be good. Um, <laughs> and it, um, you, as it, as it stands right now, you roll it like you would a golf ball down a centimeter to check speed and it rolls identical to a golf ball. Um, it doesn't have a dimple pattern like a golf ball, but, um, I rolled it every day at the, um, at the senior amateur at country club of Detroit in 2021. Um, I received a prototype in, in the summer of 2021. So got to use it at that championship every day. So what it does is it communicates through Bluetooth to our Deacon platform and, um, the golf ball measures putting green speed, smoothness, and trueness as when it is rolled as you, as you would roll a golf ball for, uh, down a stem meter. So, uh, putting green speed, basically the way it works is it knows the theoretical speed that the golf ball should be at the bottom of the stint meter. 
and then it measures it can set it can measure rate of decay as it rolls. So that's how we get the putting green speed. Smoothness and trueness, it's um, a series of gyroscopes in the golf ball. So smoothness is any movement up and down and trueness is any movement side to side. So this is really, there've been some other tools out there for measuring smoothness and trueness, not much widespread use. Um, this is this is pretty interesting. So we're still learning what what is it, you know, what is the range? What is a good number? What is, how do we, and then the, where the real benefit is from a day-to-day -day management standpoint will be how do practices like mowing, rolling, brushing, grooming, top dressing, fertilization, PGRs, how does all this, you know, we, you know, within the Deacon platform, you can track all these inputs and now that we'll be able to measure smoothness and trueness is putting green speed as well. Um, you'll be able to kind of look and say, okay, better time those types of practices. So think about like aerate, you know, if we look at aeration, so we would know we'd be able to measure our smoothness and trueness ahead of aeration. And then we'd be able to know when we're back to it. So this gives a little bit, be able to more accurately predict, like, let's say we're trying to schedule an aeration in September and there's a big event, September 21st, you know, we're trying to do that first Tuesday after Labor Day. Well, it's like, oh, well, are the putting greens going to be healed? Well, here we have year over year data that it takes us 10 days to get back to the smoothness and trueness. Based on the forecast, we're going to have similar conditions. We can, we can say with confidence, these putting greens are going to be back. Actually, they'll, if, once they recover from that aeration, they'll probably be performing. You know, you know, it's where you kind of see a swing up in performance uh, from where they were at before. So, and then there is a front, it can, the, the golf ball can be put inside of what's called a drop apparatus to uh, measure firmness of putting greens too. So just kind of taking the data collection um, aspect of uh, golf course maintenance to, you know, kind of taking it to the next level. So we, um, like I said, we had the prototype, we received prototypes, the agronomists received prototypes in 2021. Uh, we're hoping uh, some degree of limited availability this year. There's still some production stuff going on. Um, and then, uh, but hoping, uh, hopefully get it in the hands of, um, some of the superintendents that are Deacon subscribers this, uh, this year. And, uh, you know, then obviously, you know, at some point a more wide scale availability of that. Yeah. So it's amazing. Yeah, the technology in golf, uh, the evolution. I mean, it, it's it's unbelievable. Um, yeah, obviously, yeah. it's changed a lot, you know, since you've gotten into it. I guess, um, you know, to kind of wrap up here, you what what first, what got you into, you know, all of this, and then secondly, if you had to encourage, um, you know, a high school kid, a, a college student, uh, somebody post grad potentially at that point, you know, why this would be a, a fascinating uh, career to get involved in obviously on this side, the agronomy side, but even just in golf in general. Yeah. So yeah, my, uh, my, my start was in high school. Um, I played soccer and I played for a travel team, but I needed to be at practice by like, I think it was by four or five every day. And a family friend was an assistant superintendent at a, at a country, at a place called St. Clair country club in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And he said, you can start at six and probably be done by two or three every day and get to practice if you can get up early. <laughs> so I, I just started, I just went out there and started as a high school kid, started mowing greens, you know, raking bunkers, you know, what, what, you know, the typical day-to-day -day stuff. 
and really enjoyed it. I mean, it was great. Like I, so worked one summer. I'm like, this isn't, this isn't too bad. Then, um, uh, went back and did another summer. I was like, this is this. And it was just like, kind of gave more responsibility. Now you're rolling greens. Yeah. Now you're mowing fairways. Now you're doing so. Now you get to, you know, you use some of the bigger equipment. I was like, all right, I like this. And, um, it was going to, was going to Penn. I, I decided to go to, uh, Penn state and, um, and it had a, a bit of an interest in engineering. So it was it, talking with the advisor. They were like, well, start in engineering because en- most of your engineering credits will transfer to turfgrass science, but turfgrass science wouldn't necessarily transfer to engineering. And then you'd have to dump all those credits into electives to kind sure. of stay on track. So I think I lasted about three or four days in engineering. It was like, this isn't for me. I was <laughs> yeah. like, nope, this isn't for me. Um, and made the move are transferred from this uh, college of engineering to the college of Agri- Agri- agricultural sciences and then and turf press science. And um, so the course I had worked at St. Clair, there was a change in leadership at the superintendent's position. And um, uh, a guy named Ron Pusateri, who uh, is still someone I stay in close contact with. I mean, we text back and forth all the time, call each other, but uh, you know, he was, and so I was looking for an internship and he's like, well, you can come back here. Oh, absolutely. And, um, you know, Ron, you know, Ron's career, he, he worked at Oakmont. He was, and then he was kind of a, he was at, you know, he had a, he was at Marion too, at one point as a, as assistants and interns, and then, uh, ended up at St. Clair an awesome guy to work from. I mean, someone that just kind of let, I mean, I, I, I could probably sit here and make a long list of mistakes I made as an intern, but someone that always <laughs> kept giving me an opportunity to, uh, learn. And so it was a great experience because they had a great staff. I mean, just a great all around staff, the assistant superintendents, you know, JD Saunders and some of these guys I got to work for. I mean, it was, it was like a, it was like a, a team. It was like, you know, you're, every day at lunch was like being in the locker room, you know, just, you know, <laughs> kind of, you know, cracking jokes, just laughing, having a good time. I mean, I, I enjoyed the hell out of working there. That was, that was a great way to just kind of get an experience of what, you know, what it could be working on a golf course. And then, um, uh, made the move, uh, or, you know, finished college and then stayed on for a major renovation at St. Clair of the championship golf course, and then kind of bounced around a few golf courses as an assistant in the Philadelphia area. And eventually ended up at Wilmington country club, um, in Wilmington, Delaware, and had an opportunity to be the South course superintendent where I worked for a guy named Dan Pearson, who was the longtime director of agronomy there. And Dan's an absolute legend. Another, another, another guy keeping pretty close contact with he is, he's a, he's a, I mean, he, he's, his career is all, I mean, so impressive. I mean, he was an assistant at Canterbury, superintendent at Crooked Stick, superintendent at Cherry Hills in Denver, and then director of agronomy at, at Wilmington. So I've been very fortunate to work for some just awesome superintendents that, you know, um, you know, gave, were, were, was fortunate that they gave me a lot of responsibility and just the opportunities to take advantage of. So to your question about, you know, someone, you know, looking at this, I mean, if you have an interest in it, just there's such a, any, I mean, unless there's depending on age requirements for working on a golf course, and that seems to be state to state a little bit can be a little bit different, but you, yeah. If anybody, if, if anybody in high school calls a superintendent looking for a job, they'll, they'll get hired. There's no, there's no <laughs> doubt about that. Like, I, there are, you, you could, you could call any golf course right now. And if you had an interest, they're going to, they're going to want you to fill an application and get in there for an interview as soon as possible. 
I think, you know, it's one of those things like you can learn so much on site or so much on a golf course, just working there. If this is a career path you'd like to choose, I mean, there, and, you know, like we talked about, I mean, there's, you know, superintendents, there's such a strong connection where it's like, you know, if you're working in Michigan and you say, Hey, I'd like, I'd love to work on the West coast. Chances are the superintendent you're working for knows some people on the West coast and can make some phone calls for you and say, Hey, I've got an, I've got an assistant or an intern over here that would love to work on the West coast. You, you have an opportunity for them, you know, something yeah. like that. I mean, there, you can, in the thing is you can work anywhere in the world. You know, you could, I mean, it, it, there's golf courses everywhere, Australia, New Zealand, South Korea. I mean, I have an opportunity to work with two golf courses in South Korea that I do visits with uh, every, a couple of times every year. I mean, you see the opportunities. If you're, if you're willing to travel, you, you can go anywhere, you know, as far as uh, where you want to work. Um, so it's a, it's, so looking at the opportunities at the assistant superintendent level, this is a great time to be leaving college going or going into college to this because, or, and then eventually looking at assistant superintendents positions, because, you know, there are, there, there are golf courses that are posting assistant superintendent jobs that typically probably never really had to post it. They had, you know, they had individuals in the pipeline on their team that were ready to make that jump and move into a lead assistant or a second assistant's position. So it's great opportunity. The, the, the salaries have been getting, I would say have been getting better for assistant superintendents. There was a time when it was a little challenging where I think a lot that, and that's maybe why we saw a lag in students going into it, into the, into the profession. So, but I mean, it's, it's awesome. You get to be outside, you know, you're not sitting behind a computer every day. If you're, you're working on a golf course i mean there are days where you're working in the rain and that's not necessarily ideal but there are there you get to watch the sunrise i mean uh, i mean i probably i have folders of sunrise pictures at golf courses i worked at that you get you get to see some sunrises that you would have never that you would you would never see i mean just the, you know it's uh it's pretty it's pretty cool and it's it's like being a, it's being a part of a team you know it kind of reminded me a lot of the locker room you know getting working on a golf on a golf course kind of reminded me a lot of like working or being what in the locker miss. room for teams I played for. I was like, this is, this is great. And kind of, yeah. I mean, we get that to some degree in the, with uh, working for uh, the USGA now. I mean, we're a team of, we have eight full-time agronomists and we have three other individuals on our staff that kind of have dual responsibilities. They do consulting as well as, you know, other, um, you know, Adam Miller's our director of education, Chris Hartwiger's our director of consulting and Darren Bavard's our director of championship agronomy, but they also do the consulting side of things too. But it's a, it's a pretty cool team to be a part of. Thanks for listening to the Metro Detroit Golfers podcast. Make sure to hit that subscribe button and keep giving Sully and Bogey a hard time. Powered by our presenting sponsor, Hall Financial, and also Tricovery Massage and Flexibility.